0: Dear ones, you're listening to the What God Is Not podcast
1: with Father Michael O'Loughlin and Mother Natalia. Hello, listeners. This is Father Michael. Today's episode is Mother Natalia's. She is going to be guiding the discussion discussion about what it means to to be beautifully needy, um, especially, of course, of God, but also of those He puts in our life, what it means to have finite and infinite needs, having those met, what it means to be perfect, your Heavenly Father is perfect, why it's good to ask for help and why and when that is appropriate and good and beautiful, etc. If you are a hashtag banter hater, skip about seven minutes and 30 seconds after this introduction, but you will miss probably the is banter. We've done it a long time. This may turn you into a banter hater, but you will also miss a discussion on Ninja Turtles and smoke coming out of grates and angels crying because of our sin. Glory
0: to Jesus Christ.
1: Glory, Glory forever.
0: forever. Um, I found a right <laughs> <laughs>
1: My my brain so badly wants to just make this as awkward as possible. For
0: you. Oh, please don't don't do that.
1: I know this is breaking the fourth wall, but Mother literally said before we started recording, "I don't know what to banter about." I'm like, Mother, we don't prepare banter. Like,
0: well, there's nothing going on. I'm like, I know.
1: We're not supposed to have anything. So I really want to just like sit in silence and just make this as awkward as possible.
0: Don't do that to me or our listeners. No, it's just it's hard. (laughs) Like it's not like I plan banter, but it's hard for me when we do back-to-back episodes, like we just recorded one. And so we've already been talking for a while. And so we don't just start out with like the random things. That's hard. I just
1: assume that everybody has an ADD brain like me where my brain switches topics of thought like every three to four seconds.
0: Did I tell you about the man who offered me ducks? I can tell you about that.
1: Like real ducks? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I See this little part of my mustache right here? (laughs) <laughs> do, you see, do you see? Do you see? Do you see? I know this is a prologue? Do you see it hanging down like a, couple, a few hairs, like sticking out longer than the rest? Yeah. Have you noticed that last recording? No,
0: I didn't notice it until you pointed. Promise? to Promise? Yes, I promise. I don't lie.
1: I literally went in and tried to shave that off during the fifteen-minute break between episodes. <laughs> it is still there. What did I shave? I don't like. I tried to trim my mustache to not have that thing, and Are it's you still there. You that while
0: we're recording, you're just staring at yourself. <laughs>
1: It's I, it's so obvious to me. I'm just vain. Sorry,
0: you're so ducks. vain. Uh, back
1: to back to the other distraction. It's not even banter. exciting.
0: It was just the thing that popped in my head. Um, <laughs> a man offered me ducks. That's pretty much the end of it. I was on a run and a truck pulled over, and I was like, "Oh great, someone's stopping to offer me a ride again because I look that bad when I run, and people think she can't possibly be doing this on purpose." And um. <laughs> Seriously, people just pull over and they're like, "Do you need a ride?" And I'm like, "No." People do this; it's normal. Anyways, uh, one time I accidentally just said, "No, I like beer and cheese." Anyways, um, but this guy wasn't offering me a ride; he was offering me ducks. He asked if I have if we keep ducks, and I said no. And he said, "Because I
1: want to keep ducks."
0: No, I don't want a single. because that's i can't take on any more work.
1: Duck bigotry against ducks.
0: <laughs> I have we have no time to just take on another thing in our lives. Um,
1: we have a new animal on the campus? A dog. We do. It's a collie, like a few week old collie that's if any of you have ever thought of robbing my church because you know where it is, beware. We now have like a 6 week old collie puppy that's going to eat your face off if you try. <laughs> Greatest protector ever.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Do you know what his name is? Her name?
0: Um.
1: Theodora. Aw,
0: that's cute. I
1: don't know if that's because they bought her on the Feast of Theodora or if it's Theodore show like Mother Theodora or if it's named after Mother Theodora, but they call her Thea. So Thea? Thea. Hmm. That's cool. Which I think just means God. May mean female God. <laughs> 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 just th- a little scandal. I
0: think my mic is set really high. Do I sound very loud? We should have done Whoa. all this before. Okay, great. Um, I didn't take the ducks. That's the end of the story. <laughs> Why do you let me talk?
1: Did I tell you a story about buying a turtle in New York City when I was only there for three days?
0: No, that's a terrible idea. So there's, there's we can these, start oh, yeah. keeping ducks at the monastery. Welcome if you to want. my life, mother. And I just will have to stop doing the podcast because I won't have any time for it.
1: I was walking on the street in New York City and this person very, very like conniving like you could tell they're doing something wrong. They kinda opened their their long trench coat and they had a turtle in a little tiny cage that had like water and land in the cage and it was swimming around the water. This is like an inch long turtle.
0: Wait, under like, do it's you buy under a this person's trench coat?
1: kind of. It wasn't literally that, but that's what it looked like, it looked like they were oh, doing something wrong. Okay. They kind of came out of a, out of the corner of a of a of a building. It was just like, "Hey, you want to buy a turtle?" And right. I was like I was like, "Heck, yes, I want to buy a turtle." I was like, "How much is it?" They're like, "20 bucks." I was like, "Totally worth it." Like, I had to fly out of New York in 2 days. Like, I was only there for 3 days.
0: Why do, and I bought means- a turtle. These are supposedly
1: it? legal because they can make you sick and die. But they, they, they carry all kinds of diseases. People bring them into the country illegally. You're not supposed to have them. But I wanted a turtle in my room. So I was staying with, the, uh, with a religious order um, that I can't remember their name right now. And anyway, I, I had this little turtle in my room. And I was there for uh, to be on the Catholic stuff. Catholic? Not Catholic. Had the channel on Sirius Radio, and so I had it in my room. And then, thank God, one of the producers, who was a friend of mine, um, took the turtle at the end and gave it to his aunt. I believe, if you're listening, Adam, um, I gave it to his aunt, and it lived for like ten years. Ten <laughs> years, and I don't think it got anybody sick or died.
0: I really I don't think it
1: killed anybody.
0: I really was hoping that where you were going with that was that you released it into the <laughs> sewers and it became an ender turtle. <sighs>
1: Um, that's probably what they should have done. No, that would've killed it.
0: Mm.
1: it like in, in, in Ninja Turtles, the rats like the turtles. Like he's a friend, he's a mentor, but in real life, a turtle that size in the room would be eaten by a rat. Yeah. Splinter would eat Michelangelo. That's part of the that's part of the in, initial Grimm's fairy tale Ninja Turtles. Um that Disney botched.
0: Um, this is really cute. Can you stop playing with that paper, please? Um why? It's
1: not a paper.
0: It's. It wasn't even just distracting to me. I could hear it in the mic. Um, it was paper.
1: <laughs> it was a sticker.
0: Oh, um, my! When I was growing up, and my mom would take us for walks on base. I think we were probably like dropping my dad off at the ship or something, and we were really sad. And anyways, to cheer us up, they, my mom would tell us that. Um, the there were potholes with like the steam coming out, right? And she would tell us that the steam coming out was the Ninja Turtles were making pizza. Um, uh-huh. and uh, sometimes I imagined that I could smell what kind of pizza it was, and I'd be like, It's pepperoni. And like, isn't that cute?
1: That is cute. When I was a kid, my, my uncle would say that when it rained, it was the angels crying because I was such a sinner. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding,
1: <laughs> I totally made that up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, that was really horrible, okay, great. Thank um
1: you. I'm trying to find a way to ease into your topic, which I don't know what it is,
0: yeah, you didn't ease into okay here is the transition into my topic this okay. um actually no it's a really good one, and it was totally an accident. Wow, God is good, A uh, little miracle, so my um. My mom, at least to my recollection, right? Maybe this wasn't the intention at all. Maybe my dad was there. Maybe it wasn't even to cheer us up. Anyways, but my mom would totally have done that if that was the case. So um, because like I'm a kid and I'm sad and she's my mom and she's going to do uh, what will be helpful to, to, to cheer me up and to ease my pain, right? Um, and like that's very... Normal. Um, And there's a great beauty in that. But the thing is, like, we have all of these needs as kids. We have physical needs, but we have emotional needs as well. And then when we grow up, the needs don't just go away. Like, we still have a lot of needs. And they maybe transform, they maybe are manifested in different ways, Uh, but we're still needy. And Um, we have both finite needs and infinite needs and material needs and immaterial needs. Uh, but I want to talk about this as a topic because I feel like most of us spend our adult lives trying to convince ourselves that we don't have needs, um, that we don't need other people and that we don't need God. And Mm. I don't think that like those of us who are God believing would never say that we don't need God right? But we kind of act like we don't need God. Um, and and to some extent, we do say sometimes in like an overly pious sort of way that we don't need other people um, because quote unquote, all we need is God. And and there's I want to be clear because there's some truth to that. Like God is the only one that we need in the literal sense of we can dep- be deprived of all else and Still have what we need for our salvation, if we have God, right um, so in the very literal sense that's true uh but like that's not all that God wants to give us, and that's not all that we desire as humans like we uh we desire other things, and so I kind of want to want to address this like maybe overly pious attitude of. I don't need other people. And I think it comes more from it comes from other things as well not just a piety and I'll touch on that maybe towards the end. Um but part of it I think comes from the verses like Matthew 5:48 um be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Right? It's like um you have to be perfect. You have to to Never mess up and not need anything, and um, just do great because that's what that's what the Bible says. Uh, You know, I had a retreat director recently who, um, for a community retreat, who was talking about the the Greek word for perfect. There um, is actually like a better translation of it is um, complete or integrated or whole. Um, So it's be whole as your heavenly father is whole. Um, And, um, or mature, it could also be mature. This is the, actually, there are other points in the New Testament where that same Greek word is used and it's translated in English as mature. Um, And I like that because, perfection in the sense of never messing anything up is literally impossible in this life. And like, okay, with God, all things are possible. Again, that's the nice pious answer. Uh, But we know in our, in our daily lives that like the just man falls seven times a day. Right. And, um, and the, the saints like none of the saints were perfect in that way. And, There's this great quote by Irenaeus, the the retreat director who was talking about this concept of perfection, um, being actually like wholeness or integration and allowing God into every part of our lives and being um, integrated in that way. Uh, He shared this quote by Irenaeus to point out the silliness of the idea that um, we never make mistakes or that we're called to never make mistakes. Um, St. Irenaeus said, since he who saves already existed, it is necessary that the one who must be saved should come into existence so that he who saves does not exist in vain. I'll say that again because I know it's very confusing and then I'll break it down. Since he who saves already existed, it is necessary that the one who would be saved should come into existence so that he who saves does not exist in vain. So in other words, um, Jesus, the second person of the Trinity has always existed, right? Um, Since he already existed, the savior already existed. um, Then the one who needs to be saved should come into existence so that the savior doesn't exist in vain, like. <laughs> um, and so I, I think the the point here mm-hmm. is that if we were actually perfect, as our heavenly father is perfect, in the way that many Christians think perfection exists in that verse, like if we actually never sinned, never made mistakes, were totally strong then we literally wouldn't need God. (laughs) Um, We wouldn't need the Savior. And so like, what's the point? Um, And so this is like part of the gift of our weaknesses and our failings. um, And even the gift of our sin is that it's a reminder for us that we need God. Uh, I I know that I shared this um, several podcasts ago, but I remember having a reflection about, I was like, so angry about how prideful I am, um, And I was complaining to Jesus about it in prayer because I was like, "Jesus, I know that I'm really prideful, um, and you know that I'm really prideful, and you literally are capable of just making it disappear. You could just get rid of my pride." And so like, why aren't you doing that? Pride is a sin. I want you to get rid of it. I want the sin con. Why wouldn't you just get rid of it? Um, which I'm realizing, literally, I've told this story multiple times, only now am I realizing like how prideful that prairie even was. <laughs> uh, so that's kind of funny. But I just had this realization that like, in that moment, if my pride were gone, I think my humility would have been an even greater temptation to pride for me. Um, and so like in some weird way, if I was actually purged of my pride, I would have been more prideful. Like my pride keeps me at least the slightest bit humble. Um, and that's weird and, and distorted. Um, but there's, you know, one of our priest friends likes to say that we want resolution but God wants relationship. And I think that's the point here. Like, I just want all of these things to be fixed and to be gone if they need to be gone and so on and so forth. Yeah. Whereas God wants to actually like help me grow in relationship with him. And maybe that thing just suddenly disappearing um, is not the thing that's best for my relationship with him, uh, which is so hard for us to grasp. But um, anyways. That really
1: does make sense. Yeah. That really does make me think back on, on you know Jacob's wrestling with God and and how, just how we want everything to be so clean and mm-hmm. and the devil convinces us that, that that looks like being perfect without God. It's very much the the serpent in the desert, you know. Mm-hmm well god God wants you to be perfect and and you know so just deny in a sense d not i change the meaning of perfection, change the definition of perfection, and then you can be perfect in other words, you can be perfect without god It mm-hmm. doesn't exactly follow but I, the what I am thinking of is that because i I like that, but i've I've heard a homily in person where the the preacher said that that he like lessened the meaning of perfect by using the Greek. In
0: mm-hmm. other words,
1: you don't actually need to be something that's impossible. Just you can be something that's possible. And I was like, you know, I'll be careful with that because the, like the way you went was the exact opposite of that. Where you went is, is, is actually involving God in the process. But mm-hmm. I, I think w- if there's nothing wrong with you having the translation perfect because there's a great humility like you said, there's a great humility to saying, "I'm I'm called to be something that I cannot be without God. It's impossible for me. I'm called to be something that I cannot achieve and can't even imagine achieving without God's direct work." And and when when I hear "Be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect," it just says, "Be perfect in union with your heavenly Father." In other mm-hmm. words, you you'll be perfect when you're in union with the one who is perfect. So, right. but but but. But we can't do that without that. And then, considering you know, I, I like what you said, maturity. I have a good friend who kind of wants to write a book on, on the meaning of maturity. It's kind of blown his mind recently. How many times we can actually find that word in the scriptures and what maturity means, especially mm-hmm. for a husband and father. He has like fourteen, fifteen kids now. Um, so th- there's a th- there's a great there's a great meaning there. But I think there's there is something to say for. Christians, I've said this before. Christians are are automatically hypocrites because we call ourselves and call others onto something that is impossible, as you said, Mother, without God. And so I think that instead of we need just we need to be careful that we're not somehow lessening the through interpretation the word of God for the sake of making it more doable. Mm-hmm. I don't think that we we don't we're not holding ourselves to a high enough standard in Christ if we say well that let's that, that's just like many have done in the Jesus seminar et cetera let's just make let's remove the miracles from the Bible Let, let's make it so that let's make it so that everything has an explanation a scientific explanation a, a human explanation and that that's like you, you are you are removing the power of the gospel and the power of Jesus Christ and you do that in a very real way. So, amen. Yeah. So I think, I think both, are, both are important to do as long as we understand what Christ calls us to, to be much more than we can do on our own. And what Christ calls us to is a relationship where we rely upon that relationship to achieve the commands of God mm-hmm. um, through his own power.
0: So the the reliance is where I really want to focus. Um, I wasn't even putting it on talking about the like the pride and the defects and how those things stay, but but I think it, it adds to the point of all of those failings remind us of our great need. Um, and And that's where I really want to focus, because again, we think we shouldn't need. And as Christians, we often, yeah, just go about like ashamed of the fact that we need to ask for help. And this isn't, well, this isn't just Christians, right? This is our modern mindset even. Like we're supposed to be independent. We're supposed to be self-reliant. We're supposed to be able to so on and so forth. Um, And like, if we're just working hard enough, then um, we shouldn't need anyone else's help. And um and we don't like asking for help. I'm gonna I'm gonna get to that in a second too. But um but I think as as Christians, it takes this um, it's this manifestation of like I should always be giving to other people, but I shouldn't need anything myself. And I I was already thinking about this and praying about it because of a, a day of reflection that Mother Gabriella gave at a local parish. But then I was really struck by what James said in our Matthew 25 podcast as kind of like this just last second comment at the end when he said, um, you know, Jesus was saying that when you did these for the least of my brethren, you did them for me. And so that means that when we're the ones who are hungry, when we're the ones who are imprisoned, when we're the ones who are strangers, like we need to be able to recognize Jesus in ourselves, In that moment. Um, And that's really hard for me. Like when I'm the one in need.
1: Sorry, can you say that again?
0: Yeah. So because Jesus says in Matthew 25, he says that um, like when you fed the hungry, when you clothed the naked, when you visited, um, when you welcomed the stranger, when you did those things for them, you did it for me. So like he's in the hungry, he's in the stranger, he's in the, mm-hmm. um, so we're called to be Jesus. Um, we're called to, to oh, serve Jesus in those people. But when it's on the other end, like when we're the ones who are hungry um, and people are serving us, like then mm-hmm. Jesus is in us then too. Amen, um, amen. And when I'm the one who's having to ask for help, like it's really hard for me to see Jesus in myself. Um, in fact, there's just a lot of self-condemnation and shame and like, I shouldn't be having to ask for help right now and so on and so forth. Um, but this is really like not scriptural for me to deny my own need, um, to deny my neediness is not scriptural. And we see that, like that connection that James made about Matthew 25. Um, but really Jesus talks about our needs often and, he, at no point doesn't say that like we shouldn't have needs. Um, he says we shouldn't worry about them, we shouldn't have anxiety. We should trust that the father that we have a good father who provides for us and all of that, but not that we we don't have needs. Um, and a couple passages that that came to mind um, right off the bat were like when Jesus says to take. To take up his yoke, I've talked about this before too, but a yoke by definition is carried between two animals, right? And so like to take up his yoke means to like carry it with him. It's not a carrying alone. It's like, we need him. We need help. We can't do it alone. And, um, and then Romans 8.26 is the passage that talks about, you actually referred to this in our last episode, Father Michael, but that's the passage that talks about how like even to pray, we need God's help. We can't even pray on our own. <laughs> like we need the Holy Spirit um, to to pray within us and to teach us how to pray. Um, and so that's just like a time in which we're in need. And, um, and then Jesus on the cross, when he says to Mary, woman, behold your son. And then to John, behold your mother. It's like, He's speaking to a need there. He's speaking to this need for, um, for, for them to have relationship, even Mary and John, you know? Um, and, um, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's all, it's all over the Bible that like we need God, but also we need one another. Um, it's not good for man to be alone. Um, and the disciples he sends out in twos, you know. Um and this is one of my
1: favorite yeah. meanings of be childlike. Yeah. In other words, be needy. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's that's something that I uh I want to talk about as well. Um is this childlikeness. Uh but but the the last thing I wanted to mention just kind of in this section of it is like not only does Jesus point out our neediness in Scripture, but he also this is for me one of the one of the most beautiful things about the Eucharist is like Jesus condones neediness in a way um, by making himself needy. Like mm. he, he could just give us the Eucharist, right? Like the Israelites were just given the manna and mm. they didn't have to participate in order for the manna to come. They got to just go out there and collect it. But the Eucharist does not happen on our altar without the priests there um, and to to be the vessel through which the bread and wine become the body and blood of Christ. And And the Eucharist doesn't appear on our altar without the people who who crush the grains and who make the bread and who crush the grapes and make the wine. And um, like he calls for our participation in order for for the Eucharist to come about. Um, You look really concerned by this. Am I preaching heresy right now?
1: No, 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 okay. no, no. no. I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm already i on, on, on the next thing. I'm gonna reflect upon. Sorry, you're just thinking about words, aren't you? Yeah, <laughs> 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 I was earlier, but not anymore. Forced out of my mind.
0: Um. Well, yeah, I w- I want to talk. Well, next, I wanted to talk about like why I think it's hard for us to express need. Um. But if you have anything before that, then then go ahead and
1: yeah. I I, I think it's very it's very pious for to do what we're doing here and to talk about when we're in need i mean that honestly i did not pick that up on the last podcast and that is amazingly beautiful that 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 when we are the needy ones we are. We are. Christ is is working in us. We mm-hmm. we are one with Christ when we are needy. When others, when we're hungry, thirsty, strangers, like when others help us, they're helping Christ, and that means that that, that we are somehow configured to Christ in our need. That's amazing. I'll have to re- reflect more upon that. Um, but there's there's something about talking about it that is so much easier, as with everything, than when we put it into practice, because what do you tell someone who's in need we say you know well you're configured to Christ in a way because when someone helps you they're helping Christ and but it's when I hear that I'm doing something right or that Christ is there I just want to rest like mm-hmm. I want to stop and say oh I I can I can sit back I have peace I have consolation I can enjoy the fact that 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 Christ is configured to me right now. That's not the case with being needy, mm-hmm. because the, the the need needs to be fulfilled. So that there's a dynamism in our neediness that 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 is a movement. It's a process. It's 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 dynamic. It's it's not something I rest. Oh, look how hungry I am. Let, let me rest in this. Mm-hmm. You know, like no. I mean, there are times when we say, right now I'm mourning. You know. Um, one of the Beatitudes, blessed they who mourn, right? I, I'm, I'm mourning, or I'd say I'm imprisoned. You know, I'm, I'm imprisoned for a long time. There, I, I have to, in a sense, rest in that. I can't. Like work on getting out of prison, you know, that, that wouldn't always be the moral thing to do. So if I'm imprisoned, if it's because of persecution or whatever, I may say I need to rest on the fact that Christ was imprisoned and the fact that, that if someone comes and visits me in prison, then they are coming and visiting Christ and therefore I'm configured to Christ. There's a certain rest in that, but, but in need, there's always a dynamism to have that need fixed to have that need fulfilled to have that need changed to mm-hmm. something that we are we are fulfilled or satiated by so that there, there's something that it just our life in this world is is always awkward it's always movement it's the little moments we get of rest that's why we Byzantines are so insistent upon praying for rest for those who are dead you know, it's like I'll rest when I die, mm-hmm. and and that, that we, we we need to take care of ourselves. We need self care. We need to make sure we're getting resting at this. But but in the the sometimes the moments that we are most configured to Christ is when we are not at rest. Mm-hmm. We're carrying our cross, and it's just I, I wish that were not the case. Some, <laughs> part of me wishes that wasn't the case. Part of me says, why can't I be like Christ when I'm. Doing my leisure time, which I am, of course, I'm configured to Christ then too. But there there's something so unique and beautiful about being configured to Christ when I'm in need, but it's just not something I can rest in like I want to, and which is the way God intends. Mm-hmm. So yes, the dynamism of need, the dynamism of being configured to Christ is just something I need to think more about. But it's beautiful.
0: Yeah, that's those are really interesting comments, I was Like I hadn't thought about that. Um so why is it hard? why is it hard for us to be needy? Why do we not like to be needy? And I don't just mean like the need that's uncomfortable. I don't just mean like the need of I'm in poverty and I need financial assistance or the need of "Um, I'm hungry and I need fed or something like that. But even just like I'm overworked and I need to, tell my friends that I need help or I'm like on the verge of an emotional breakdown and um, I need to just not hold it together for a second Um, and to have someone to receive that. And, um, or like, I need counseling. That's, you know, all of these things are like, it's so hard for us to admit this kind of need. And um, I think some of that comes from pride, and I think that's the obvious. That's the obvious place of where that comes from is like to not want to admit that I need help is is a place of pride. But I think that a lot, I think a lot of it comes from fear as well. Um, and that's the part that we maybe don't think about. So, because to express need is a vulnerable thing, um, vulnerable in the the literal sense the etymological sense of able to be wounded um when i express need i'm opening myself up to be wounded and you know when we were we were talking about this after um we having a a discussion group after mother gabriella's day reflection and one of the women we're all talking and then um there, there was a babysitter with all the. It was just for women this day reflection. And there was a, um, one of the older children was babysitting all the other kids. And so, um, one who's like, I don't know, he's part, I think he's three, maybe. Um, he kind of escapes from the babysitter and runs over to mom and, um, and is just like, just like I want this, I need this. I feel whatever, right? And then mom takes care of it, and then she comes back, and it's just in the midst of this conversation about neediness, and she's like, she's like, why can, why why can the kids do it? Like kids, they just come up and they're like, <laughs> I need, I need, I need, I need, I need, I need, and he just knows I'm going to give it to him because he's a terror if I don't, and so he knows I'm going to give it to him, and so why is it so hard for us to do it? And. So that's why I think you're right, Father Michael, in like, this is one of the aspects that I think mm-hmm. Jesus meant when he said to be like a child is like, mm-hmm. don't be afraid to be needy. Don't be afraid to express your need. Don't be afraid to go to God the Father and say, I need, I need, I need, I need, I need. Um, and so when she asks this question, she's like, why is it not hard for them and it's hard for us? And I said, "I think, I think part of it's because his needs have always been met. He's always like, he hasn't been wounded in that way, you know? Um, Like, we've gone to a friend while in need and said, like, I'm really struggling with this and we've just not been received and that hurts and it makes it harder to do it the next time. And, and like, obviously that's not true for all children and but we see the consequence of that right like we see kids who have been in foster care for years whose whose emotional needs if not physical but sometimes physical as well emotional needs have been neglected for so long that when they're with someone like they don't even want to express that they they want to just be independent they want they have this like tough exterior of nothing can hurt me because they're not even like wanting to open themselves up to be able to be hurt and so i think that I think that fear of being hurt, that fear of vulnerability, is actually probably even more of a drive than pride. Um, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, I mean, I, I have some more to say to that as well, but please interject because I've been talking a lot.:
1: I was just thinking that that there's a we were talking a few episodes ago about excommunication and how excommunication. Is is inherently a negative thing? You are removed from communion. That's what it means. Um, but but uh, underneath that explicit negative is the the inherent positive. That, that in other words, you, you're removed from something. You can come back to you. You we're removing you to draw you back. So there there is something to be in communion with, and there's a way of receiving that gift of communion. I think the same thing is true here. Need is, is a is a negative thing. We will not have a neediness like we do here on earth and heaven. We won't have it. It'll be gone. It's, it's in a sense an, an evil, a lack. Um, but... The inherent in in need is is hope,
0: mm-hmm.
1: because the, the, there there's a hope of of having the need fulfilled. I think that's when the devil acts in these wounds, as you put it. When the devil acts in these experiences of not having what we think is our needs or what sometimes are our needs and un, go unfulfilled, um, the 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 devil that's what he's doing. He's hacking away at our hope. He, he's he's making it so that we have we have trouble seeing hope to have our needs fulfilled or or hope in having our attitude changed so that we realize we don't need it or whatever it may be. Um but I I think there's something beautiful to say in that's one of the reasons why need is Christlike and why we can bring configure to Christ in our need and why um why ch- ch- Jesus chooses to to have his kingdom be the way it is um is because we we should inherently in our need see hope which is of course a a transcendent virtue a, a divine virtue that comes from god.
0: Yeah. Um one of the things that mother gabriella said in her one of her talks that day that i thought was just really great is she she was like you know we're so she was talking about how we have wounds and how we have needs and sometimes those two things rub up, rub up against each other. But she said, um, we we can be so resistant to our own needs and wanting to pretend like we don't need other people and that um, we can be so impatient with ourselves when we have needs um, or when we're acting out of our wounds. And she said that, one of the things that's indicative of this is when we're lacking in gentleness and patience with the people around us. She was like, if if you if you're being if if you're being not gentle with everybody around you and you think everyone around you is the problem and everyone around you needs to change, then probably the one that you're lacking the most gentleness with is yourself. Uh, and And it's been interesting like I hadn't really thought of this before but as I during the the silent period time we had after that talk I I was thinking back on how I think the times that I've been the most gentle with myself are the times I'm gentle with the people around me because it's like if I can allow myself to have needs and I can allow myself to have wounds and I can be accepting of those things um then I'm much more open to to accepting the needs and the wounds and the failures of the people around me, um, as opposed to just like when I'm holding the people around me to high standards, like standards that they can't possibly live up to, it's probably because I'm holding myself to even higher standards. <laughs> um, so I just thought there was something really interesting about that.
1: Yeah, the, it's it's interesting as a leader, It's it's hard to find that balance to let people be weak, let people be needy, and yet understand that what what's the best way to to encourage and empower greatness and maturity and growth mm-hmm. and conversion and all these things that do and I think that's, that there's a beauty to having have experienced success, just like there's a beauty to have experienced failure. So when we experience failure, our own failure or that of others, especially our own, and we, we've, we've said, you know I need to let people fail because' I've, I've failed and I know that that that's possible. I know that it happens and so I need to let people fail in their way, but I also have seen just like i've seen I've been forgiven so I know that I should forgive I've been weak, so I know I should let people be weak i've been I've um, failed, so therefore I, should, I need to let people fail um, but at the same way. I, I hope that I can meditate upon my successes too and say mm-hmm. here, here, here are my conversions, my, my maturity, my growth and say here's how I can also use that experience to find that balance, that dynamism if you will between um, being accepting of my weaknesses and yet also convicted to conversion and do better and somehow at the same time those work in a way that is not measurable, not restful. It, it's just, It's a dynamism. I need to somehow be patient with myself and urgent at the same time that mm-hmm. beautiful paradox.
0: Yeah. So I, I want to touch on one last thing before we wrap up, because I think it's, um, it's just really significant. And that is, you know, I mentioned that we have finite needs and infinite needs. Like we have a need, these finite needs for, for food and clothing and shelter. Um, and, um, And then we have the infinite needs, which are fulfilled in Christ. Um, And they're fulfilled in Christ, ultimately. They're not necessarily fulfilled (laughs) while we're here on earth, right? You know, we've talked about that before, that there's this, um, it can be a great disservice to people when we say um, celibacy is like the best example of this. Like when we tell people, oh, you know, the the longings that you have for marriage will be totally fulfilled in Christ. Um, like, yeah, that's true, but not necessarily like here while you're still on earth, right? Like you're still going to have those longings and it's a disservice to people to pretend that you're not if you're discerning. Um, and uh, there's like so much joy and consolation in celibacy, but it's it's different. and um, And there are still times that you have um, those longings, and so, anyways, um, we have infinite needs that will only be fulfilled in Christ, and like we, there will never be someone here on Earth who perfectly understands your heart. There will never be, and but that that is a good and a true need to be totally understood. and it is not one that will ever happen here. Um, and you know, I, I think I've talked on the podcast before about the poverty of being misunderstood. And if I haven't, then I need to sometime because it's something I've prayed with a lot. Um, and like we we need to be perfectly loved and to experience that perfect love and and to know that perfect love um without any doubt and that's not something that you're going to get here on earth right there there are moments that we glimpse it there are moments that i have confidence in god's love um but but in our fallen humanity um times will come that i doubt that or times will come that i i can't see that clearly and so I, I the reason I, I distinguish between those two, the finite and the infinite needs, um, and, and I guess like, even those infinite needs are met to a lesser degree here on Earth, right? Like we have the friends who it's like, oh, he knows me better than anyone else, or or whatever, um, and like that's good and fine as long as you understand that they're finite, that they're finite beings, because one of the biggest problems we have, one of the greatest struggles for me, probably especially as a celibate, but actually just in general in my life, is taking those infinite needs to finite beings and expecting them to be fulfilled. And you see this all the time in marriage and you see it destroy marriages, right? Because if you're expecting your spouse to totally fulfill you, you're expecting your spouse to totally understand you and to, to understand and know and cherish your heart at all times, um you're bringing an infinite need to a finite being and it's going to crush them you're going to be disappointed and they're going to be crushed and so you definitely see this in marriage honestly i think this is as i've prayed about it over the years this is one of the reasons that i really feel the gift of my monasticism because i know my personality and i see myself do this even in friendships and I know that that would be a huge temptation for me in marriage is, is to try to um, it would have been a huge temptation for me to, um, to like go to my spouse for fulfillment in some of the places that only Christ can fulfill. Um, Mm -hmm. But I, like I said, I see myself doing this in friendships as well. And there is, this has been like, the greatest fruit of the communications fast for me, this, this fasting period is it's like in, in other fasting periods. So I do this communications fast that I've talked about before of, um, not talking with people like over email or video calls or anything like that, except for my family, they're an exception. Um, but I'll spend time with people in person and, and over letters, um, like writing letters and, uh, and in past fasting periods that's been for me a time to realize like oh this is a place of attachment in this relationship or this is a way that I should probably be talking with this person with with less frequency or for less duration or um or whatever it may be and kind of the the fine tuning of the the ways of communication or like maybe we shouldn't be like i'm probably getting i'm probably too intimate in that particular topic or that area or whatever it is um but this fasting period has not been that at all um and for me it's been much more like i'm in a place in my relationships i th- this is vulnerable but i think it's really good for people to hear i'm in a place in my relationships where it's like there's a great purity there and and there's a detachment um to a degree, there's there's always some attachment. but um, I've realized I'm getting a lot of consolation in some of my friendships and this fasting period has been one, it's hard to articulate, but where I, f- I feel the Lord's movement in my heart is one of like, I still want to give you these, these consolations in your friendships. Like these constellations are not ones that I'm wanting to take away from you. Um, they're, but there's an interior change that he's been wanting to work on in me um, because I am somehow in those friendships, receiving the constellation from the person as opposed to receiving the constellation from God through the person. And it's like, he's wanting me to receive more as gift as opposed to um, reaching at the thing. It's like, he's working to fill this desire that I have um, or this need that I have, this emotional need or whatever it is. He's wanting to fill that maybe even through this person. Um, but that it's it, it can, like, I can lose focus on the fact that Jesus, my spouse, is filling this need through this person as opposed to this person is filling this need. Um, I I know that's really abstract. I don't really know how to articulate it better. Yeah, um, but.
1: That makes sense. Um, and I think the opposite is true as well. And I was thinking of this when you first started talking about it, that we we desire to have our infinite needs met through the finite things in our life, money, people, time, stuff, whatever it is, um but the opposite is true too that that we also want to fulfill the infinite needs in other people because of that's such an honor like we want we want especially in marriage i think we want mm. to be yeah. everything to people. I, I want to be your savior. I want to be. I want to give you everything you want, everything you need, so you don't need to go to anybody for anything, including Jesus. And we just need to be very, very careful with that. To say mm-hmm. uh, the the temptation to want to be a Messiah. I've shared many times that I, I've had this many times in my life. The we we. The, the hesitation for directing people to say that that's something that you need to go to Jesus for or to say, I, I, I'm here to, to be an instrument of, of Christ in your life in the way that, that I'll pray for you, I'll assist you in, in what our Lord asked me to do. But, but there are certain things that we, we need to make sure that we don't desire to be, to fulfill someone's um, infinite needs, but rather to be an instrument of Christ if he wants that, but more you, usually just to, to actually get out of the way. You know, to to Mm -hmm. actually not be an impediment to their relationship with Christ. This is an issue that many pastors have. You know, Um, at at what point are you saying I'm 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 assisting in your relationship with Christ, not making you dependent upon me, so that you only know Christ through me or or through this parish or through this community, whatever it is. Like that. That's that's real danger to desire that. Um, The other thing is that uh, that one of the things that that I think, especially within marriage, and you brought that up, mother, and in friendships in general, um, and I've said this before too, I know, but it, it makes sense here, is that we need to make sure that we know that intimacy and community and communion, all those things that have to do with oneness our infinite needs and will only be fulfilled in Christ. So mm-hmm. marriage will not be the solution to loneliness. Friendships will not be the solution to loneliness. All of us want a deep intimacy. We're created to want a deep intimacy that will only be fulfilled in Christ. We'll have a foretaste of it here through other people, through marriage, through friends, a foretaste but it will never be completely fulfilled. So when when you feel lonely, just know that yes that, that that makes sense it makes sense and i and i should not look for the the perfection of the fulfillment of loneliness in anything other than christ and that's going to happen um after we have walked the walk of this world and had the dynamic need of that throughout our entire life and when we have the fullness of the kingdom of god in that that intimate union the theosis with him in in eternity
0: mm-hmm. forever and in mere christianity this is one of the um, proofs that C.S. Lewis, Lewis gives of the existence of God is that we have these, these infinite needs and this infinite longing, like that that isn't met on, um, that isn't met on Earth, right? So, like yeah. he said, we we have hunger and there's something here on Earth that fulfills that. We have desire for for sex and there's something here on Earth that fulfills that. And so, the fact that um, we have these longings that aren't fulfilled uh, for him is, is a proof that there is something greater that will fulfill these things. Um, there was something I wanted to say. Oh, I think, so I think, um, hmm, I don't know if this is right. I'm going to put it out there and then feel free to shoot it down, Father Michael, or to, to nuance it or whatever. But, I think a way to go about this, like being sure that we're, I think this is what I'm focusing on in my relationships right now. So that's why I'm saying it. A way to practice not taking those infinite needs to finite beings is to be sure that we're expressing all of those needs to the Lord in prayer, um, Mm -hmm. to tell him that you're lonely, to tell him that you're desiring, um, desiring intimacy to the extent that he wants you to have it to tell him all of those things and then not grasp at those things in your friendships, but trust that because he is a good father who wants to give you good gifts and who does give you good gifts, that like he knows your needs. If you're then just like existing in friendships and trying to live as a good loving Christian friend, um, that, he'll then give you what you need in the, in the friendships and to trust. And so I guess that's, that gives more this posture of receiving as opposed to this posture of posture of reaching out. Right. Um, mm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That, and then we all struggle with trust. We all struggle with trusting God and that, that maybe is a very practical thing. What you just said, mother, a practical way of working on becoming a more trusting person mm-hmm. is to to say it's again it goes back to gratitude this has been a the theme but to to say our lord wants me to be fulfilled and and so i i i look for i seek out if i have to all the ways that 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 he is fulfilling the needs the people he puts in my life or through direct his direct action um but but the the more the more we notice what god is doing the, I imagine the more trusting we become in His plan for us, in His care for us, in His love for us, in His, you know, care for the whole world, for the rest of our family, His desire that I'm, I have union with Him for all eternity, that that trust can come through just an increased awareness to the eyes and ears of faith of, of what He has done, what He's doing now, and then then that will lead more to an understanding of what He will do.
0: Um. Great. Do you have any other comments before we wrap up? Uh, nope. Hey, nope. Okay. Um. I can't see you right now because I'm having bad Wi-Fi. so your videos hidden. So oh. you're making funny faces at me. I can't tell. Um. Okay. Then I. Oh, I can see you again. I will give you. I will give the. That was a funny face. Uh. I'll give the spiel. And uh, you can be thinking about your prayer intention, Father Michael. Uh, We are on all the social media things. Father Michael is on Twitter at Padre Michael O. You can visit our um, nonprofit page, Fotina, that's pho dot org. Or um, you can support us on Patreon. That goes to our nonprofit, which supports this podcast as well as our ministry um, to those in need. As well as um, supporting other Christian ministries. And um, so that's on Patreon, I think I said. We have a Goodreads page. We have a YouTube page, which is audio only. And if you listen to us on iTunes in particular, it's not called iTunes anymore, Um, Apple Podcasts. Apple Podcasts. (laughs) Um, Apple Podcasts then if you can rate and review, that's always helpful. Um, And I think those are all the things you can email if you want podcast at gmail.com. I'll get back to you eventually, probably not promptly. And um, yeah, I think that's it. So for my prayer intention, I will ask for prayers for... Um, the, the friends in my life that, uh, are really great, I guess, at stepping aside and letting Jesus fulfill and always helping me to, to turn to him. Um, the friends who like don't let themselves be used, I guess. Uh, so some of those as of late who have been the most prevalent in my life, are Maggie and Father Steve, James, Maddie, Father Dufresne. Yeah, those have been the ones who have been just kind of giving me a lot of Jesus lately. And then you can add to the list your own friends who do that for you. Father Michael,
1: Amen well, I'll add to that list um I just the the person in my life who's probably been the greatest mentor when it comes to conviction about um car, or not about um prioritizing and orienting these needs uh to Christ, the ones that are appropriate for that and the ones that are for human beings has been Archbishop Shapu,
0: mm. um
1: who is just my mentor for so long he's so good at at f- like finding. The, the most helpful response when it comes to what is Christ to do, what is mine to do, where does it overlap, etc. So pray for him, I guess. Um, and also, this may sound odd, but um, we we had a flood in the big hall at the, in Sherman Oaks, and we, uh, we got all the asbestos cleaned out, all the lead paint cleaned out. <laughs> Um, and we are about to go through the process of building back just putting it back our insurance is of course going to pay for the put it, put it back the way it was um, but we want ADA bathrooms so there's something about about you know handicap accessible bathrooms obviously people that are physically handicapped there's a need there that we want through our structures and things like that to fulfill so um, i'd really like to put handicap accessible bathrooms in the big hall um, but I don't know if we have the money for that there's a chance that our insurance may cover it so pray for that pray pray either that either that our insurance will cover um, bringing it up to code or that we somehow find the money to make our business big hall bathrooms, ADA approved so that we can have handicapped bathrooms so that people in wheelchairs don't need to come all the way across the parking lot to the church to go to the bathroom. It would make our life a lot easier and also allow us to do fundraisers um, for the public so that the public who aren't even members of the church can also have that access. So, Play for that if you would and for all those who are in need and and rely upon us making things accessible to give them a, a, a more accessible life if you will.
0: Absolutely. Well, um, thanks, Father Michael, for also being. I didn't put you in the list, but you helped point me to Jesus really well. So thanks for that.
1: Amen. Right back at you, Mother. Thank you.
0: Mm-hmm. And can you give us the blessing?
1: May the Lord bless you and keep you, cause his face to shine upon you, have mercy on you. May our Lord. Uh, give you a beautiful neediness and allow you to have the paradox of rest and urgency within that neediness. And when you are needy against your will, as happens so often, may our Lord give you the consolation of his presence and being configured to him, even as you work and strive and receive the great gifts that will pull you out of that neediness. May our Lord give you a heart of gratitude to see where he has already been working. May he give you a generous heart to to be his hands and his voice in the world to those who are needy. May he give you fulfillment in that vocation. Um, May our Lord give you patience and perseverance in this life of faith. As we move closer to the kingdom of God, may he give you wisdom and humility that you may not desire to be uh, the fulfillment of every need for those in your life, but may find prudence and wisdom in where your and my place is in those roles. May the Lord give you everything you need, especially the salvation of your soul. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
0: Amen. Amen.